Hi and welcome to the Memorabilia Podcast. This is episode number 12 and I am Rick. And I'm Kate. And today we are going to be covering uh, an album that we weren't expecting to cover. Uh, Originally Kate had picked out Hangover Square by the Caretaker Race, but we have exciting news. We have a special guest, the singer-songwriter of the Caretaker Race, Mr. Andy Strickland has agreed to appear on the podcast, which is something to look forward to. So we'll be speaking to Andy this week on Thursday. And so Kate has picked out another of my albums and it couldn't be more different from Hangover Square. (laughs) (laughs) What are we doing, Kate? What have you picked? Uh, Kylie. By Kylie. I don't know. Is it it Kylie Minogue? It's Kylie by Kylie Minogue. Oh, okay. (laughs) And that's from 1988. Just while you're on such a high about your uh, celebrity connections, I wanted to bring you back down to earth, you see. <laughs> I'm a bit disappointed you didn't reach out to Kylie to see whether she wanted to come on, but, you know, there we go. Before we get into Kylie, there was a... You wish. <laughs> oh, then. <laughs> As uh, was once heard... In the company of my mate Dave, someone said, easy tiger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, homework. There was a bit of homework. I didn't, I don't have homework. I know, I, don't, I, I, I haven't done a lot <laughs> from the last episode, and I must apologise because I've listened back to that last episode, and two things struck me. First of all, the intro I sounded like I was just about to fall asleep, so apologies for my tiredness and dourness last time. Well, it's a bit of reality, you know. Just I know, but oh dear, dreadful. And then I've realised it's a bit weird listening to yourself, but I've realised how often I say so. And I was just about to say so. If you hear me say so, <laughs> whack me around the head or something because I can't stop. My aim so this episode, <laughs> my aim this episode is not to say that word more than. A dozen times. I'm sure it's going to slip out, but let's give it a go. Okay. <laughs> uh, I Just for the record, yeah. I don't listen back to it because I I I'm not interested in I what know. I say wrong. <laughs> I just, it's out of my mouth, it's done. I'm good with it. <laughs> We're quite entertaining, though. <laughs> Are we now? <laughs> <laughs> Even if I'm going to say Yeah, first bit of homework. Maxine Feebleman. Our tiny dancer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you called Bernie, Bernie Taupin a liar because you said that she wasn't tiny. Yeah. Did, did we watch the video, didn't we, or something? We watched, yeah, we watched that video, that Elton John video, that recent one that someone's done that is now, if you look on YouTube, the official video of a tiny dancer, which was about three years ago. It was a bit bizarre. Okay. Um, but that's not, there's nothing about that in the video. But I've looked up a height. Okay. And I've looked up how long they were married because I wasn't sure. So they were married. They got married in 1971, and that single came out in 72. So you obviously wrote it at the height of their passions. And uh, but they were divorced in 76. I don't know. I, I didn't look any further into Bernie Taupin's love life. I think that's fair enough to be fair. But how how tiny? He'd probably be grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. How tiny is how? What height do you have to be to class as tiny in your eyes? Under five foot, I reckon. Under five foot? Well, she's she's not tiny then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's five foot five. 
Which is probably about average, isn't it? As I said, for a female height. I think, yeah, I think five, six. There's no, is maybe it? five, no. four. Five, four's average, I think. So there you go. She's not even close to being tiny. Tiny towards, but not as, <laughs> <laughs> not as a normal person. And then the other things that we weren't sure about, we just needed to check on. You were correct about the... We mentioned the video where someone was playing the electric guitar without being plugged in. You're right, it was Jason Donovan. And it was... A single from his 10 Good Reasons album, which came up because it was in the charts for 1989, uh, because we were covering The Cure's disintegration from that year. And the big single off that one, which was actually his third single off the album, was Too Many Broken Hearts. That was the video where he stood at the top of the mountain, which obviously fits quite nicely into Kylie. Jason and Kylie? Yeah. So, well, I've got a little bit more about that album. More I have that. got more. I, I have got more. I mean, you know, but... Yeah, so... Oh, there, yeah, I've said it already, you see. <laughs> <laughs> third single, third single. Do you February want, do you want me to keep a tally? No, please don't. <laughs> You'll not run out of paper. It reached number one. In May 1989, the next single was Sealed With A Kiss, which also reached number one uh, in the UK, Ireland and Finland which was that original song by Bobby Vinton, Sealed With A Kiss. Right, okay. So that was a cover version. And then his second single off the album was actually Especially For You with Kylie. So that's the, the link. I which, do remember at the time, which retrospectively is kind of amusing, yeah. that people thought that Jason Donovan was more... Uh, what's the word? Authentic as a pop star than Kylie. <laughs> and then, <laughs> the benefit of hindsight, you're like, yeah, maybe not then. <laughs> yeah, he, what's he doing these days? I mean, he went, he went on, obviously, he did, he did musicals, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing he still kept making music for a while, but... But, yeah, that uh, Kylie and Jason single, especially for you, another number one, and... Uh, we actually watched the biggest selling hits, didn't we, of 1988? Because uh, we got it on record from, was it Channel 5 that did a whole series of them about six months ago? And uh, that was in that was in the top 13. It was properly dominated by Stock Aitken Walkman stuff, wasn't it? Mm. And interestingly, <laughs> I noticed that some good news and bad news. The good news is that there's a... a Classic Pop magazine did a list, a top 40 of Stock Aitken and Walkman songs. No. In 2021. I just know. The bad news is we, we, we haven't got time to cover it. <laughs> <laughs> but Too Many Broken Hearts featured at number 19 in their list. So there we go. And the final thing on there, which actually uh, was corroborated, collaborated, what's the word? Corroborated by Mr... Uh, Mike Stock, which one was it that was talking on that programme? Yeah, it was Mike Stock. Yeah, so he corroborated the story about Woolworths, the retail chain, coming up with the idea of sticking Kylie and Jason together on a single and saying that they pre-order... He said 400,000, I've read 250,000 copies if they did it, and he hadn't even written the single before. Before they released it, which is a bit bizarre that... I thought he was saying that they had got wind that that had been suggested and then they had approached him saying they could sell 
No, they they actually they actually suggested it or someone well, from Wolves. Obviously, wasn't listening very hard. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, and what else did I notice that was quite interesting from that episode? I re- the other thing from that is that they released the single, especially for you, just after Kylie and Jason got married in Neighbours. Well, Charlene and Scott Robinson. And uh, also featured in the top 30 selling singles of 1988 was that song by Angry Anderson. I can't remember what it was called now, but it was basically the the wedding thing to Scott and Charlene. Um, And I commented to you, I didn't think it were a bad song when they played it last night, as far as kind of a power ballady type song goes. So, uh, yeah. So was it released when the wedding was shown on telly yeah. here? Yeah. Or in Australia? Yeah. Right, so significant, because there was still a there big was lag, was back there? then, yeah, yeah. Like it was, good, what, three months maybe, something like that? Yeah, it was something bizarre like that, I think you're right. I'm not sure, but I think it was over here, because the, the, that was where the big market was for them. Mm. Yeah, um, so there we go. Um, yeah, what what we're doing first, we've got to cover our list of the next five in our top 500 songs by Rolling Stone magazine. Should we go on to that? Well, no. <laughs> so when you say stop, when you say top 500, I'm just like, oh, God. No. then I remember we're only doing 50. We did, yeah, we, we did. Uh... I think. It was just a psychological trick that you played <laughs> on me to make me accept 50, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't deny that. So we did 50 to 46 last time, uh, and now we are going to be counting down from 45 to 41, so the next five on the list. And at 45 is all right. Unfortunately, not by Supergrass, but by Kendrick Lamar from 2015. Uh, it reached number 14 on the US Billboard Hot 100. Only 109 in the UK charts. I didn't even know they went up to 109. But there you go. And it was co-written and produced by Pharrell Williams and is a song of hope associated with the Black Lives Matter movement. Very highly regarded if you uh, read up on it in terms of its reverence for that and its meaning and uh, lots of rewards for that video. We watched the video, didn't we, in the week? And we listened to it. Number one in Pitchfork's best 200 songs of the 2010s. Uh, but not for me, really. But it's just not my kind of music. So yeah. it's, diffi- it's difficult to judge. It's the first time I'd ever heard it. It's obviously like a rap song, but a bit of a bizarre start where he's just kind of talking. And The only bit that I liked in it, there was a, a sax in there that was quite nice. But otherwise... I won't be looking that up again. No. What were your thoughts? It's just, no, just not my sort of thing at all. I mean, I, I do like some rap, but it was quite fragmented. And I could sort of see what he was trying to do, but doesn't do it for me. So, so yeah, it wasn't really... wasn't my kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, 44. Now, this one is a pop classic that everyone should know. Billie Jean by Michael Jackson which was released in 1983 as a second single from the Thriller album. Uh, Number one in the US Billboard 100, number one in the UK, sold 100 million copies worldwide and is Michael Jackson's best-selling single. I didn't didn't know that. 
Uh, and I didn't, well, I'd forgotten that Thriller was also the biggest selling album of all time. So right at the peak of his powers, really. And I didn't realise that he'd written that song because there was another guy that did uh, some of the songwriting, uh, an English fella. Oh, I can't remember his name. Rod, 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 someone. Oh, look at me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you can look at me, but don't expect any help. <laughs> yeah, all right. It'll, it'll probably come back to me. But yeah, this is Michael Jackson's song about... Um, he said that it was about his brothers and how they always got groupies and that then he they got claims that uh, these girls were coming to him and saying, oh, your father, my child. But someone else told a story that Michael Jackson himself got a letter from some fan who claimed that he'd fathered one of her twins. <laughs> bit of a sad story. I mean, it's it's a bit like that. You remember that Eminem song where he, um, uh, Stan, when he sampled Dido's... Mm. Yeah. And uh, a bit like that. Apparently this woman... I mean, how does Michael Jackson get his nickname Wacko? Well, this woman sent him a, a picture of herself... You know, and he's denying this and ignoring it. Psychologically, it did some damage to him, even though it, it definitely wasn't he wasn't anything to do with it. Apparently, he framed the picture and put it above the blooming table of this woman. The table? What table? The family table at home, much to his mother's disgust or something. Oh, right, OK. Bit bizarre, isn't it? Some stalker sends you a photograph of herself and you frame it and put it on your wall. Yeah, uh, and apparently she did away with herself eventually, so... Bit of a sad, sad tale of the song. But anyway, getting back to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, I think you took us to a cul-de-sac, of which I can see no way out. <laughs> well, the way out is that it's a fantastic song, isn't it? From dark things become absolute things. Oh, I still beauty. have a massive issue with the words. <laughs> is this one of the misheard lyrics? Yeah. Yeah, it's not a lyric, misheard no. lyric, is it? They've just made it up retrospectively to make it make sense. <laughs> Go on, what do you think it says then? Well, you can't tell, can you? And the That's not, not what my I son. asked. And then, and then whenever it's written, it's like, the kid is not my son. There is no way he's singing kid. <laughs> All our five <laughs> listeners now are going to go and listen to Michael Jackson's Billie Jean and go, hmm... Either she's got a point or what is she there on that? Definitely says the no kid. No way he is singing the word kid. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's singing it in like Russian or something. <laughs> but you know Russian. <laughs> so obviously not. So that spoils the song for you? Yeah. Oh, wow. Have you got any other examples of that? Where it's like lyrics that annoy you that much that it spoils the song? No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just think it's a fabulous song. Fabulous song. I'm just not a beat. huge Michael Jackson I know, I'm not, fan, I'm not so. really, but... And, and and I do always listen to it, and I'm just like... Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't think you could deny that's a terrific song. I mean, you can, because it's <laughs> your opinion, but... Everyone else would disagree with you. The stats don't back up. On to 43, anyway. At 43, we have My Girl by The Temptations, which... Bizarrely reached number 43 in the UK charts. It was a number one in America. Um, it was written by Smokey Robinson and one of his miracles, a guy called Ronald White, in 1965. <laughs> I know that that's what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> Made it sound like he'd given birth to a miracle. Yeah. 
Well, the, the, the Temptations were on tour with Smokey Robinson and they heard him play the, uh, I think it said the piano bits, and they persuaded him to let them sing and record it rather than him giving it to the Miracles. Uh, and it was their first US number one. And Robinson's inspiration for his um, this song were his wife, who was also in the Miracles, uh, Claudette Rogers Robinson. And the guy that sang the vocals, again, we saw the video for this, on uh, in the week we, we watched all these five on video uh, a guy called David Ruffin it was a, his first lead vocal and apparently Smokey Robinson had picked his voice out as a bit distinct and they were just looking for the right song for him but again a, a very good song deserving of being in this top 50 no? it's ruined for me <laughs> another one? <laughs> what's ruined this one? <laughs> well you know because it's associated with that film isn't it? yeah which I haven't seen <laughs> <laughs> what? So how can it ruin it? And so then, like, there's always like these pictures of these irritating children accompany it, and it's just ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs> so the the annoying children, if I remember rightly, were Macaulay Culkin. Was it Drew Barrymore? Don't know. I have not seen the film. I just know. I just when I hear the song, I get flashes of children's faces. That is not where I want to be in my life. Well, they're, they're in silhouette, aren't they? The, the movie still was them. I'm pretty sure it was them in silhouette kissing. I think maybe. So. So yeah, just have a look. Oh. See if it was Macaulay Culkin. Okay, but yeah, so it's ruined it for me because it just makes me think of that film that I haven't even been seen. You're weird. Kissing children. Who two, needs that in their life? Two great songs ruined by the most <laughs> ridiculous things. Number 42, moving on, we have Redemption Song by Bob Marley. Uh, this was released in 1980 as a single in the UK, but not many other places, and it didn't chart. Uh, the song is an antidote to slavery, and the final track on his album, Redemption Song, stands as his epitaph according to the rolling stone magazine uh, so the, sorry the final track on his final album he died not long after in 1981 aged just 36 years old and he died from cancer which apparently started in his toe well, that's not good is it no i hadn't heard this song before i'm i'm it's not again not really my genre uh, i've never really been into bob marley never really listen to any of his stuff other than what you hear on the radio which is pretty much that big song that I can't remember what it is <laughs> come on help me out for once. I'm not good with song names yeah so um, yeah but I've listened to it twice that first time I listened to it I thought oh, why is this in here but yeah I can hear the purity of it in the in the second listen and, and the melody started to grow on me so it's obviously one of those songs you need to listen to a few times and Obviously, having read, I, I'd read this, so I read a bit more about it before I listened to it the second time, and it kind of helped visualise what it was about and the feeling and stuff within it. Because it's quite, if you don't know it, it's him basically playing an acoustic guitar without, I don't think there's any other accompaniment on there, so it's quite pure. And then finishing the, the five for this week, we have 41, Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division which was also a, a 1980 release, reached number 13 in the UK uh, charts, number one in the UK indie charts. 
And um, essentially the song, uh, the lyrics written by Ian Curtis were um, in relation to his the breakup, the failing marriage that he had that was at that point crumbling. And um, it was a, a sardonic response to Captain Antonelli's 1975 pop hit, Love Will Keep Us Together. It was Joy Division's final single, uh, and they actually released it weeks after Ian Curtis's suicide. So, um, yeah, another very, very sad tale behind the song. But it is a terrific song. And in 2002, Enemy named it as the greatest single of all time. So, big accolade there. Again, I'd agree. I won't say it's the best single of all time, but I think it deserves its place in the list. Are you a fan of the song? Well, we listened to it the other day, didn't we? Well, you were listening to it yeah. on the telly. Yeah. And I was a bit like, oh, it's leaving me really cold. But I think that's because, to me, it's like an end of the night, you know, like... It, it wasn't, I must admit, it didn't <clears throat> feel like it had that impact. I think it needs to be louder. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is that. And, and watching the video, when they're in that kind of cold warehouse and it all looks very gloomy and knowing what happens and you, you're kind of focusing on that and the performance whereas when you you're just listening to it without any imagery and sonically yeah if you've got it loud it can get you kind of moving and oh, I did see I didn't way. know the sad story and I've seen the video before I think it was just that like playing through the telly speakers which are a bit crap like sitting in the lounge, whatever time it was, it just, it was just like, oh no, this isn't how you listen to this song. <laughs> it's wrong. Yeah. So uh, to me, it's like a big end of the night, like yeah, indie club anthem. You know, what's the, what's that? What is mentioned in the lyrics of that other one? Dancing to Joy Division. Something about the irony of that. I think that's the yeah. uh, the wombats, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I'm not sure. You're the one. Uh, celebrate the irony. That's it. Right. So. That's the name of the song. No, that's oh. the second line. I don't do names. I only do the oh, lyrics. I see. <laughs> okay. Well, you you can have a look at that. We will see if I'm wrong as normal. So it was Macaulay Culkin, but it was Anna Chlumsky. I don't know. Don't know. She's probably not a kid anymore, though. Well, no, obviously not. Well, what what year would that? It's actually film? called "Let's Dance to Joy Division." Okay. And who's it by? The Wombat. Oh, okay. So what, what year was the film? Yeah, my girl. I'm guessing my girl probably about nine <coughs> ninety. Ninety one. I'll take that one year out. <laughs> Very good. Just before we get on to Miss Minogue, also known as the Princess of Pop. <laughs> Uh, this will be our 11th album covered. So I said in the last episode we'd, we'd give you some charts of our own and we'll start with the... I posted these on, on Twitter and Facebook. So the, the top 10 from the previous albums that we covered in terms of our ratings. Um, so we'll go through them. At number 10 was Status Quo, 12 Gold Bars. Number 9 was Wham's Might Fantastic. competition for that this week. Maybe. Let's see, let's see. Uh, number eight was Absolutely My Madness. Feels a bit low down, but I think we said it was a bit patchy, that album, didn't we? Uh, seven, George Best by The Wedding Present. 
Number six, Help by the Beatles. Thanks to Kate's rating of four. Tonight, me, I'm going. That's way too high. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, Reading, Writing and Arithmetic by The Sundays. Criminal, criminal. Number four, Non-Stop Erotic Cabaret by Soft Cell. Number three, Tracy, Tra Tracy Chapman by Tracy Chapman. Uh, number two, The Fantastic Parallel Lines by Blondie. And number one, the album that we covered last week, Disintegration by The Cure. Now, in terms of listening, how many, which episode has been listened to the most? It's kind of backwards to the, to the range. <laughs> Partly because the cure uh, has only been out a week, so it, it normally takes a bit of time to for the uh, listening figures to to rise. But that is at the minute uh, number ten. Madness and the Beatles are the eighth most listened to. Tracy Chapman and Status Quo sixth equal. Sunday's fifth, so that matches its place in the ratings chart. Uh, Wedding present number four. Soft sell at number three. Blondie, Parallel Lines number two and. The boys, George Michael, Andrew Ridgely's Wham, with their fantastic album at number one. So maybe it's the pop's the way to go, babe. Maybe this Kylie one. <laughs> Is that why you chose it? No. Okay. <laughs> why did you pick this album to cover? Because you were all like, ooh, I'm all indie. Look at me with my super obscure albums. And now I'm talking to the singer. And ooh, look at me. So I was like, all right. Thanks, man. <laughs> I know you've got some right corkers in your record collection. <laughs> but also, it's like, I know why you bought The Caretaker Race. Because it was cool and Indian, that was like, you know, and you liked it, and it was all like, ooh, why the hell did you buy Kylie? <laughs> you know, so it's interesting to kind of the differences of why you've bought like different albums and different styles of music, and have you moved on from that? Do you still like it? Has it stood up? I mean, Anne and I were were able to kind of review Fantastic and be like, it's got some really good songs on, but it's got some utter tripe on it as well. <laughs> You know, and, and kind of, as you look back at it, some of it stood the test of time and some of it hasn't. So I was just curious because, as well, when I, in 1988, when Stock Aiken and Waterman was a big thing, I was definitely not going down that route. <laughs> so to me, it was like, why on earth would you have that? <laughs> and not, not just why would you have it, but why would you have bought it at the time? Like, if I had it, it would be, like, a post-ironic purchase. So I, it was just, like, that kind of, like, curiosity about what what was it that was going on and what, what was it that drew you to it and why did you buy it? Well, you obviously collected your cool cards way before I did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what was going on? I think it was called Teenage Hormones. <laughs> I just... I've said it before, I didn't hang around with people that were into kind of guitar music until I went to college. So in 1988, 16 years old, came out in the summer, so we'll have just finished GCSEs. So this is kind of just before I went to college. And I was working on a farm, packing tomatoes. <laughs> unlucky for you, I, I was living the life of Riley that holiday. We actually had, I think I had two holidays that summer. <clears throat> So how the other half live. I know. 
Well, Pop Dave that came on the, the Wham episode. Pop Dave? We, uh, I'm pretty, I can't remember whether it was that summer or somewhere <clears> after. I think it was that one. I think it was when we finished school. We went away with his mum and dad to France and then he came with us to Cornwall. So we both had two, two great holidays that year. But yeah, I mean, Kylie, she was everywhere, wasn't she? I mean, Neighbours was the big thing. The power of TV. I can't remember how many viewing episodes it had, but it was on at lunchtime and then it was on at half five, you know. I think it was on every day, wasn't it? It was, yeah. In the week, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. And it was it was massive. And, and then, I mean, you're going to go into it, but I, from my memory, I think she did, was Locomotion the first single? Yeah. And... Uh, I think when we were on holiday, I remember doing the locomotion, you know. So I just, I just, I, I admit it, I was not a cool, cool kid. I was, I was geeky. I was, you know, I just wasn't in with a cool crowd. So, and I just listened to like Radio One, Top of the Pops. That was it. That was my, my world. So I moved from this like heavy metal phase, like when I was like 11, 12, 13, then. <laughs> that kind of I know it's bizarre isn't it yeah. and that, that kind of drifted into like just listening to weird <clears throat> pop stuff I mean I've got records there from like Paul Hardcastle there's Hue and Cry all kinds of weird stuff wet 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 you know it's embarrassing now but back then it's not yeah. as embarrassing as Kylie though <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I think it's all pretty embarrassing in a way but that's who I was you know um, but I also had there's the odd, not bad stuff, because I, I still quite like you and Cry. Uh, Dex's Midnight Runners, you know, there's the odd one or two. Well, that's what ones, I mean. But, yeah. It's like that, because, I mean, I, I wasn't watching Neighbours at that point. Were you not? Okay. Because well, I was working right. yeah. three nights a week from five till seven. So, obviously, yeah, yeah. I wasn't at home when it was on. Yeah. So, I had stopped watching Neighbours when I got a job and, you know, didn't ever watch it again, I don't think. So... You know, you'd, my mum used to watch it, so I'd see, I'd be sort of passing through the room when it would be on or whatever, so I kind of had a vague idea what was going on with it, because people would talk about it, but I didn't watch it. Yeah. So, and also, you know, blonde kind of surfer dudes are really not my thing, so <laughs> never have been, so... Good job, really. <laughs> so really, never really had the whole Jason Donovan thing, wasn't really going on for me. Yeah. Um... And musically, Stock Aiken and Waterman, I mean, the hit factory was not an ironic name, was it? <laughs> like, no, I don't think that. And it, but it was very much formulaic, it was very um, two-dimensional. Musically, it was um, very over, sort of very produced. And, and yeah, I just, that wasn't, I guess, the direction I that I was going in musically. So I just couldn't see where the hype was coming from because I guess I just missed it on all levels. Yeah. I, well, obviously, it started from the TV, didn't it? And uh, she was a good-looking girl, fun, bubbly. Like I said to you yesterday, I think everyone wanted to be her. Like, the, the teenage girls that watched Neighbours wanted to be her because she was a bit of a tomboy character. She was a mechanic. Um. I, I joked at the dinner table with our son and daughter there um, that dungarees had never looked sexier. <laughs> our 12-year-old is disgusted. Our 12-year-old daughter actually said, I was thinking about getting a pair of dungarees, I'm not going to get them now. 
Um, so yeah, and uh, I, I want I wasn't really aware of the the stock aching and Walker, Waterman thing as much. It wasn't really it didn't really bother me one way or the other. I want do you know what I mean? Like I said, you get a lot of people where music is you know everything, and you 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 draw your line down the middle, a bit like Ian Prowse, you know. To me, he cannot distinguish between like if anything's heavy metal, it's rubbish. If anything's like punk, uh, mod, whatever that kind of thing, it's you know it's fine. And he won't. He kind of draws his line in the sand, and it's he's the left of it. Do you know what I mean? So, and there are a lot like that, and that that didn't come for me until later on. But I could still listen to songs and weird stuff and pop and think it were all right i like pop music you know i like pop music yeah but i just yeah i just i don't know i reckon there's one good single on this album that's it <laughs> one good one good song i've listened to it twice since you said you were picking this and the third time i listened to it which was through uh in fact i listened to it on youtube because it's not on i don't do spotify it is on Spotify, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so although if, just to break it, break the theme, yeah. I did actually listen to it on vinyl. Yeah. This week. Well, I I listened to it because I was sat at my desk and <laughs> uh, the streaming service that I use, if I, I look to listen to some of the first time, is uh, Amazon because I've got Amazon. We've got Amazon Prime, so it wasn't on there. So I I listened to it via YouTube, uh, and I thought, oh god, this is absolutely dreadful. But I think that's because it didn't have locomotion in there and it just broke up the whole album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> but when we listened to it, I put it on vinyl last night and you put your headphones in, did you? <laughs> I actually thought, actually, some of this is coming back to me. On the first side, I didn't think the first side was too bad. The second side was pretty ropey. But the first side, there was a couple of them singles. I thought, actually, not too bad. So, come on, anyway. Give us some... So, some facts, because Rick likes a fact or two. <laughs> it was released in 1988, on the 4th of July, part of the Stock Aching Waterman, the Saw factory that was churning out the hits. Um, four weeks at UK number one. It was reissued in 2015, but it only got to 85. But I reckon that's because all the horny 16-year-olds already had it. <laughs> Why did they re-release it? Do you know? I don't okay. know. I didn't didn't look into that. Just... Right. Cynical remarketing type. Yeah. There were six singles off it, but only four in the UK. The other two were like Far East, Australia type things. Yeah. Um, but it was the way that it happened. Um, they touched on it in that 1988 programme that we watched yesterday. Yeah. But it was a bit of a truncated, cleaned up version particularly from Mike Stock. Right. Um, so basically she'd off the back of her well she'd she'd done a demo she'd paid or she'd got someone to invest to do a demo um cuz she'd done singing and stuff and her and her sister had like done you know the sort of show kids they'd been doing all the stuff for years. Done it. Yeah. 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 So and she got signed to Mushroom Records. I presume it was an Australian label, um, off the back of being in Neighbours. 
um, and she recorded the locomotion. Right. And there was a sound engineer who was doing a residency over there who was from Stock 18 Mortimer. Okay. And they got him to mix it. Right. And they wanted him to make it sound like, I can't even remember what song, but just basically another kind of up pop. Yeah. You know, like a hit poppy song. Um, and it was the first time that he'd done a solo um, production, basically. Yeah. Um, so it was released in Australia three weeks after the wedding um, episode and it stayed at the top of the Australian charts for seven weeks. A locomotion? Yeah. In its original mix by this um, Mike Duffy guy, yeah. who's this engineer. And it became the best-selling single of the decade. In Australia? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, but... Basically, off the back of that, I think Mike, I think Pete Waterman heard it. Right. And off the back of that, she and her manager travelled to London uh, in nineteen eighty-seven in September, and uh, but Pete Waterman, right, was the only person that knew that this was happening. Right. So I presume he arranged it, or it was arranged with him. Yeah. But he bogged off and was filming the Hitman and her. <laughs> I forgot to tell anyone. So, Kylie and her manager are sitting in this London hotel for ten days. Ten days? <laughs> How long were you filming it, man, on earth for? <laughs> I mean, this is off Wikipedia, so I don't know. But it was it had it was all like cited properly and stuff. Yeah. So I assume that it's like largely accurate. Um, and so he hadn't told anybody. So they waited for ten days, and I was like, who would wait for ten days? And then I thought, well, actually, in nineteen eighty seven. If you didn't have someone's phone number, or if you couldn't get them on the phone, you you were a bit stuffed, really. There wasn't, you know, messages weren't, it wasn't the same, was it? No. Um, so I thought, actually, it's not, not that kind of unbelievable. Um, and basically, they just went and doorstopped them on the final day that they were in the UK. Right. And so that's why I Should Be So Lucky was written in 40 Minutes. Because they rocked up at the studio and went, you were supposed to have seen us this week. Oh, crap, we better write a song for them. <laughs> so Mike Stock writes this kind of slightly snidey song, like, about, you know, this this sort of young, sort of blonde, very popular TV star yeah. who can't find love. Um, and gets her to record it um, and was allegedly impressed because she just stepped up because obviously she's show kid. She's been there, done that. Yeah. So I'm guessing he was probably not expecting her to be as on the ball. So, um, so yeah, they just record this single. But then, right, they didn't even listen to it. <laughs> didn't do anything with it she flew back to australia that afternoon her and her manager so then this thing's in the can they wouldn't even listen to it till christmas so this is like the this This is is in september 87 this is like yeah uh all right so that's nine months before this was released and yeah okay so basically they finally got round to listening to it at christmas (laughs) they were like whoops (laughs) 
Because it's a classic Stock Aiken Waterman, isn't it? It's like it hits all their buttons that, that they ever tried to hit. Yeah. Plus, they've got this famous actress thing in it. <laughs> it's just like, so I think they probably were like, whoops. <laughs> um. So then, in February, Mike Stock flies to Australia. <laughs> right. To try and make it up to her. <laughs> they realise they've got something special on their yeah. hands. And, well, um, when I say something special... Well, I think the Some thing money. is, it was exactly what they were after. That was the gold that they mined. They they were, mm. that was exactly the kind of hits that they made. I mean, you knew what you were getting with Stock Aiken Waterman. Was, there was never any confusion. They, they churned out short, two-dimensional pop hits that hit, hit radio, made a load of money. Yeah, that's what they did. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he kind of hot-footed it over to Australia <laughs> to, um, to apologise. And she was filming her final uh, Neighbours kind of storylines at the time. Um, so was, like, ridiculously busy, you know. So she, she'd quit Neighbours before she even realised that she was going to make it big as a pop star then? I presume so. The timelines were a bit unclear for that, to be honest. Right. Obviously, because you've got the dual thing of like when it was running over here and when yeah. it was running over there. I was a little bit. I don't really get quite. Yeah, and you can never tell whether it's summer or winter over there, anyway. <laughs> it's always sunny. <laughs> well, it is on neighbours. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah. So you, you know, you struggle to tell. So. Um, so I, I guess I don't know if she knew that they were her final storylines, but obviously they were big storylines, weren't they? So, um, so yeah, see, she was really busy. So basically they couldn't get hold of her for more than like four hours at a time. Um, so I, thought, they, I thought you might like, I thought you were going to say for 14 days, she was just getting a revenge. <laughs> that would be funny <laughs> if she was. <laughs> um, they recorded Got To Be Certain and Turn It Into Love. Um, during the time that he was over there. In March, she took a break and went to London to record the rest. Um, but despite the fact that they decided that they wanted to run with this and that whatever, they were not at all confident about her vocal abilities. Right. To be fair, probably rightly so. Um, they double-tracked her voice the whole album apart from one song um which means that they recorded her twice and then blended them back together to like improve the depth of the of the vocal yeah um and the only one they didn't do that on was look my way which is the second to last song right and so when i was listening to the second side i was interested to see how different that sounded yeah and it's definitely weaker, like vocally. It's definitely thinner. Um, uh, yeah, I I don't think she she <clears> had <throat> a fantastic voice, she, but she can sing. You know, it's and it's obviously got stronger. She's obviously been coached and it's improved, hasn't it? But yeah, I mean, it, she's never one of those artists where you hear them and immediately think that is special or different or you know whatever. But good enough, you know. But okay, that's interesting. 
I just thought it was interesting that they've decided they wanted to run with her, even though they clearly didn't have a lot of confidence in her vocals. Yeah. Um, but obviously just used technology to make it work in the way that they did. Yeah. Because the rest of the package was yeah. very much kind of on brand for them. Um, she wanted to go more R&B sound. Um, obviously, they said no. <laughs> so she'd obviously signed for them at... When did when did they sign her then? Do you know in that kind of timeline? Uh, around it... then, I don't know. Right. Didn't. Okay. But I just thought it was really interesting that it was sort of full of these kind of false starts almost. Back in Australia, when she'd initially got signed to Mushroom, um, apparently, a lot of the staff there called her the singing budgie, because they, they again they just thought that there was no chance. They just couldn't. Yeah couldn't see past the sort of well she's done it right for herself I mean she's still going still performing isn't she but that's what I mean it amuses me because I do remember that there was this feeling that Jason Donovan was more yeah yeah kind of authentic and more likely to succeed and Kylie was just another sore kind of product and you know and just a bit blonde and wouldn't really it wasn't anything you know and then if you look kind of it's obviously their, their careers it's just like wow you know that was that was the wrong call <laughs> she she got some credible singles didn't she between kind of uh that first release and, and 2000 there was uh slow and uh one or two others but then was it 2000 when she released fever i to be fair i didn't because you've got another kylie album haven't you mm, might have <laughs> Uh, I so you know I didn't want to like blow the whole load on one go, so, I, <laughs> so I only looked at this. Yeah, one. yeah, I've got I've got that Fever album, but I've got it on CD. Um, but I think that's it's early two thousands anyway. But I mean that was the one where people kind of then it's got yeah. I can't get you out of my head and yeah, well it spinning was around difference. And, it was it was more grown up, wasn't yeah. it? She made three more Stock Aiken Waterman really? albums. Three I more? didn't look at what they were okay. um, or the times on them, but they tended to churn them out, so I would imagine that it was in the sort of four years following 88, that would be my guess, that, that four or five years was, was when they happened. Yeah. Because they didn't tend to whack them out pretty quick, didn't they? Yeah. So that was about it, really. The cover... Uh, they tried. They were trying to make it look like a smash hits poster. So the cover being Kylie. It's a bit weird, isn't it? That it's, it's like a hat, but a hat made out of her hair. What is that thing? <laughs> well, is it's, it? it's a hat brim. So basically, it's got the the middle missing out of the top of the hat, and it's the <laughs> crown, and it's pulled through. It was the thing. Was it? Yeah. I only ever saw it on Kylie. No, apparently there's... Well, they were say the write-up on the cover was sort of saying that it, for a styling technique in terms of the hats and the sort of fun hair and stuff was a, several of their albums following um, this one had that kind of styling. Um, and it was very much trying to sort of look like a smash hits poster. So it's got like just her name across the top you know, very clear, sort of full facial, clear who it was. And then on the back, obviously, she's, like, pretending to whistle. And again, that was very much kind of how the sort of smash hits, you know, it was like you'd get your sort of 
standard headshot and then you'd get your fucking kind of firm. <laughs> um, so what's on the inside? Um, just thing. So similarly, I... she's like winking in that one. And then you've got all these like outtake type photos on the lyric page. Yeah. So. She looks very young though. I, I mean, how old, do you know how old she was when she recorded it? Mm, I want to say 19, but I um, don't. Not so she, sure. So she's a bit older than Skyler, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, want, I wasn't sure whether we were uh, same age, a bit younger, a bit older. No, she's a few years older than us, so I don't know how much. Probably three years. I think I might have read, actually, I think she might be 53. So. There you go, that sounds yeah. reasonable. So, yeah, I forced myself to listen to it all the way through once and then you forced me to listen to it and then I had to put my earphones in because I couldn't cope. <laughs> oh, I mean, you start on a high, really, don't you? I should be so lucky. It is a good song. It's a good pop song. Um, it's delivered well. It's produced pretty well. I I need to see the track list in which you've just covered it. Yeah, sorry. No, I was just going to ask you. Um, you said there were four singles released, so I should be so lucky. Obviously, locomotion. It says includes hit singles. Got to be certain. Yeah. So what was the fourth one then? Was uh, it Je ne sais pas pourquoi? Yeah. Because that was on that. It was in the. T- in yeah. fact, all four of them weren't they? They were in yeah. the top thirty, the best selling singles of that year. So did they all get to number one? Do you know? No. They didn't. Okay. No. I should be so lucky, did definitely. Yeah, I think it was the only one. Okay. I think the others were like twos and lower. Yeah. Still sold pretty pretty well, and the album must have sold a bucket for. Yeah. Yeah. So which which songs which song did you say was you you think I should be so lucky is the only one that's worthy of yeah. the, of your ears yeah. going forward. Fair <laughs> enough. Someone someone made me sing the locomotion in a, an audition once with no preparation. That was fun. The locomotion? <laughs> if you were testing someone's vocals, that's Hello. a very odd choice of you like, do you song, know isn't Kylie's it? locomotion? I was like, yeah, oh, you can sing that then. I was like, okay. <laughs> wow. I mean, predictably, it was awful. Um, <laughs> that's, that's very bizarre. And originally that was by Little Eva. Locomotion, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. 60s, 50s, 60s, so. Yeah, okay. So. And, I mean, I it starts on a high and it just goes down and down and down. And, oh, my God, the second side is dire and it is just awful. And even when I was listening to it the first time, trying to, because I wanted to listen to the difference in vocals. Yeah. Oh, my God, that second side's a slog. <laughs> So I was, yeah, didn't, really didn't like it. Fair enough. I I think I must have had similar thoughts to you because when I was listening to the vinyl and I was thinking actually it sounds a bit softer on the vinyl rather than listening to it through monitors and all that stuff. I quite thought, I thought number side one was actually not too bad and I I could remember some of the words and I thought, oh, I've obviously listened to this a bit more than I thought because the first time I listened to it last week, I was like thinking, I don't remember any of this. So I don't know whether it was like the vinyl for some reason kind of brought it back a bit more to me. But yeah, side two I put on and I thought, I'm not sure I've ever heard this song before. So I obviously probably listened to it once and thought, that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) And 
it's odd that uh, it's well, it's, I guess it's not odd, but there's a lot of albums in there you find that they seem to load the singles onto side one, and it makes it all a bit unbalanced as an album when they do that. You know, when there's like there's five tracks on side one, and like four of them were singles, weren't they? So, you know. Mm. So, um, but yeah, I thought Je ne sais pas pourquoi, not bad. Got to be certain, not bad. Will I listen to it again? <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> it's probably had its last ever play. Uh, but there we go. So your favourite song, I Should Be So Lucky. I mean, favourite's a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite Kylie song overall discount in this album? Then? What do you mean? Oh, favourite Kylie song? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I Come mean, back to that one. I, I quite like that one she did with Nick Cave. Oh, Where the Wild Roses Grow. Yeah. That is a good song. I would say yeah. that's probably my favourite. In inverted commas, Kylie song. Good pick, yeah. I'm, I'm not... She, I mean, I don't... A lot of her later stuff, it's a lot more polished. Musically, it's a lot better. Still not really... You know, I mean, I'd dance to it, but I don't own any of it. It's not really... Yeah, you do. What's mine is yours, darling. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you can leave with your Kylie albums. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I ju- it's not, she's just not really. It's not my cup of tea, love. My kind of thing. But, you know. Come on then, give me a rating, darling. Well, about four. Oh, come on. You can't rate the Beatles four and then give Kylie. I'm thinking that's four. quite generous given I only like one song. Let's go two. <laughs> this shit album <laughs> how fickle's that from a four to a two in one sentence two you're yeah. sticking with two yeah ouch Kylie <laughs> she's never gonna I'm glad she didn't come on <laughs> she wouldn't still be here would she oh god right okay uh, I'm gonna give it a one, two, three, four. Yeah, I'm going to give it a four. That hurts, but yeah. <laughs> One good song, three all right songs. A generous four. Kylie scores, six out of 20. Well, the album. I mean, you still love Kylie. Well, clearly. <laughs> Before we move on to 1988... One thing that I did notice was that the final song on this album is called Love at First Sight. And uh, I saw that and I thought, that's a bit odd. Kylie's got another song called Love at First Sight. Well, I wasn't sure whether it were another song. On that Fever album that she released as a single. I thought, I should rehashed it. But no, it is a totally different song. Which I thought was a bit odd. And I thought, I wonder if any other... Artists have got songs that are different but have got the same title. It's got to be a bit unusual, isn't it? Surely if you'd already written a song called Love at First Sight or whatever. I suppose the thing with Kylie is she doesn't really write her own stuff, I'm guessing. 
We shouldn't on this. No. I don't know about later stuff. No idea. So I had a bit of a look for it. And I don't think there's that many. There is a few examples. Um, Paul Simon had a song called Think Too Much. Uh, and he decided then that he hadn't treated the subject seriously enough and wrote a different song called Think Too Much and then realised this was a good example of thinking too much. <laughs> uh, Texas, Chris Rea, uh, he had two versions of that and also two versions of All Summer Long, as you do. Uh, Madonna, she's got two songs called Forbidden Love and two songs called Freedom. Freedom seems a popular two-song choice because you've got Freedom by Wham and Freedom in brackets 90 <laughs> by George Michael. I don't know if that counts. Uh, the Hammer Song by Nick Cave. But one is a cover of an Alex Harvey song. So again, don't know if that counts. And then Angel by Fleetwood Mac. I don't really know any of them other than the... I think if you're doing someone else's song... Yeah. And you can't really change the title of it, can you? That's a bit tight. No. So, point. I think that's fair enough. Yeah. If As long as it post-dates your own song of that title. I just think it's about odd. I think Other than that, it's like proper lazy. It's like, seriously, pull your finger out, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you've already got a song that's alright, or you're associated with and you call another, it just confuses everyone. What's the point in that? Uh, so where are we starting on 1988? Um, well, we already did 1988, didn't we? Because we did Tracy Chapman. Yeah. Uh, so that a lot were, of that was released what April May yeah, springtime. Yeah, but a lot of the stuff that we talked about, we yeah. talked about the year quite a lot. Right. So um, I didn't really pull out uh, news things because we we'd covered them all really. We talked about them. And we're too good to kind of regurgitate the same old... Like you would have remembered guff. anyway. <laughs> You'd have just been like, oh, it's the first time I've heard that. <laughs> anyway, I'm on it, so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't pull any of them out. So, singles. Uh-huh. Top five that week. Top five? What happens at top ten? Um, takes too long, so we're in top five. <laughs> <laughs> You're lazy. I know. <laughs> um, number five. Yes. Fast car, Tracy Chapman. Yes. Number four. Yes. I owe you nothing by Bros. <sighs> were they stock aching Waterman? I don't know. I was ju- I was literally just thinking. Oh, I wonder if they were stock aching Waterman. I don't know. I don't think they were. I don't think they were, but they were very much that style yeah. of music. Well, again, they featured on that list, didn't they? I Owe You Nothing was on that top 30. So best-selling singles of 1988. <clears throat> oh, it's this one. Yeah, so it's at number four in this chart. Mm. But I think that probably went to number one. Maybe it had just been released, or maybe it was just sliding down the charts. But, yeah, there was an interview with someone on that programme, wasn't there, saying that he'd seen them 12 months before. and They had mullets. Yeah, and he, he wasn't impressed, but then he, he saw them after they'd been styled to an inch of their lives and thought, yeah, I need to sign these. It was produced by Nicky Graham. Oh, that's why. Remember, in that video, it was that bloody nasty Nigel, wasn't it? 
Remember oh, Nigel? Is that Nicky Graham? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, nasty Nigel. Yeah, Lynn Lithgow. Lynn, yeah, whatever his name Lindock. is. Lindock. Yeah. So he he co-wrote it. Right. So that's why. Right. So he's in the video for that. There you go. Uh, number three. Nasty Nigel, by the way, is the guy who was in Pop Stars, the first mm. proper reality TV thing, which the winners were Hearsay, and the spin-off. Five that didn't make it were, what were they called? Oh. Got to get you into my love. Can't remember what they were called. I will go on. Carry on then. That will come back to me. Right? Uh, number three yeah. was Fat Boys and Chubby Checker. The twist. Liberty X. That's nothing to do with Fat Boys <laughs> and Chubby Checker. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that. That yeah, yeah that was a proper summer song. That. The twist, yeah. or are you back on Liberty X? No, no, no. Just, just be, you know, sorry. kind of some separation I'm up fat boys. Here. I'm up fat boys. <laughs> fat boys, and yeah, because they did uh, wipe out as well, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, right, okay. I, I do that, quite yeah. like, I do quite like that, those two songs, I yeah. have to say. Um, so it wasn't a bad top five for me. Okay. Fast Car, I'm all right with that. Really yeah. not, not a Bross fan. Uh, the Twist, I was all right with it. Salt and Pepper, we push it at number two. Do you like a bit of salt and pepper? Unfortunately, it all goes downhill at number one. Nothing's going to change my love for you by Glenn Medeiros. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was on last night yeah. as well on that Well, I'd listened to it earlier in the day because I, right. I actually did some work because you're always telling me that I'm lazy. So I listened to <laughs> the ones I didn't know on here, which was Glenn Medeiros. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't put myself out too much. <laughs> and I didn't recognise it until it got to the chorus, and then I was like, oh, yes, that's forgettable. <laughs> well, I was exactly the same when it came on that TV programme, but I, I'd missed that it was Glenn Medeiros. I'm like thinking, what's this song? Best top 30 in 88? And then it got to the chorus, exactly the same. Then you recognise it. I thought it went all right for what it was. I, did, I never realised till watching that he was a Hawaiian guy, but he's... Uh, He's had uh, a bit of fun since the nice, slim, good-looking Glenn Medeiros. He's <laughs> and he was only, he was, I, I do, he was only like 16 or 17 or something. Yeah. So unsurprisingly, he's young and slim, and now he's much older. And, you know, <laughs> life happens. <laughs> um, albums, number five, The Collection by Barry White. Right, okay. Number four, Push by Bross. Keep moving on. Number three, <laughs> Idol Songs, to 11 of the Best by Billy Idol. Oh, I was like thinking, hey, what's that? A, a, an album for people like lying in bed. <laughs> <laughs> and songs. then Kylie was straight in at number two. So that was it. When was the album released then? Oh, this week. So it was straight yeah, in at number, th- right. number two. So that was off the back of... Locomotion, because that was the first single. No, no, because um, I think the other, I think some of the other things were released, released before. before the right. album was. Okay. Um, uh, but it didn't make it to number one because Tracy Chapman was in her third week at number one. Right. Well done, so, Tracy. So we the reason why we'd covered a lot of it is obviously Tracy Chapman went to number one after. Yeah, the Nelson the, Mandela. Yeah, which obviously was only 
three weeks before this was released. It was in the June. Yeah. So we talked around like a yeah. lot of stuff about that summer and things. So. Okay. Uh, so yeah, there weren't a lot going on really. July, farming finished on BBC One, and it was replaced by Country File. I love a bit of Country File. Farming. <laughs> a program, TV program about farming. Right. So. Don't remember that. They at finished all. that because it was too uh, focused on farming, and they replaced it with Country File, which had a broader remit to talk about life, country life in general. Obviously, still running, so there you go. And, and was John Craven on it right from get go? Don't know about that. Come on, you, you know, this is the difference between me and you. You know, if you... I know. <laughs> like, I go down so many rabbit holes and so I just, see some. I'm just like, ooh, oh, that's ooh. an interesting fact. Don't need to know any more about that. And you're just like, ooh, what about <laughs> this little uninteresting nugget of information? <laughs> uh, uninteresting to, to you, darling. <laughs> 26th of July was Lou Beale's final EastEnders appearance. Lou Beale? Who's that? The, was that the grandma? Pete Beale's mum. Yeah, yeah, right, I remember her. Very dire, dour, dire, dour character. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were in the middle of a property boom. So I found a site that told you the cost of stuff by region. Um, but none of it was that. Interesting. Apart from the average house in East Anglia in nineteen eighty-eight was five fifty-nine thousand seven hundred and twenty-one. East Anglia? We ain't got any listeners in East Anglia, they're not listening to us, they're not cool enough down there. You see you lie, because my brothers listen to us. And <laughs> in Yorkshire it was thirty-seven thousand one hundred and twenty-five. But it was right in the middle of the property boom. So basically the crash happened in 89. So uh, the average mortgage rate. Yeah. You're reading the piece of paper, aren't you? I was going to say I have a guess, but you're reading it. <laughs> yeah, I can read. Even though I've just put them, I drops in on my eyes a bit. 10.34%. Squiffy. So going back to what you said about East Anglia, I was only joking East Anglians. Your brothers listen to us. Oh, your one brother, my. Yeah. Right, okay. I thought you said my brothers. No, it's my brother. Right. Okay. That makes more sense. So yeah, ten percent over ten percent. That's big. That's big, isn't it? Yeah. So. It could happen here, people. <laughs> yeah. Pay them off quick, guys. Mortgage rates do go up as well as down, uh, and cigarettes. Yeah. £1.48 for a pack of 20. Never bought a pack of fags in my life, so wouldn't know. Inflation adjusted Yeah. takes it to 320 Right. They currently actually cost somewhere in the region of 9.50 a pack. Is that really? <laughs> yeah. God, I didn't know they were that expensive. So uh, I do remember buying them at £1.48. And I do remember the next price ride was £1.52. <laughs> Is that um, tax then or what? Yeah. Yeah. Fair dues. And that was my potted version of July 1988. Very good, darling. <laughs> you sounded so insincere. <laughs> Sorry. Very good, darling. Well done, well done. 
<clears throat> I thought that was some interesting stuff and some less interesting stuff and some less interesting stuff than that swerved. There you go. Yeah. So, um, I did the films and telly. Top five. <laughs> of course not. Of course I did the top ten. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did the top ten films, and then for the TV, I just looked at the old um, TV Times listing, listings for BBC One, BBC Two, because it's hard to find, pinpoint what was going on on TV on on the internet, which is surprising. Movie stuff's a bit easier, but even that, it says like the charts are a bit flaky back then. Mm. Uh, but yeah, some not bad films that I've actually heard of in this top ten, uh, starting with the the tenth film. Uh, Fatal Attraction. Have you seen that? No. Really? I'm surprised at that. No, it was quite a big film. Uh, I remember my aunt Trish going on about how good it were, that film. Um, I quite enjoyed it. You must have seen the the Boiler Bunny scene, though. Yeah. Very famous for that. Glenn Close and Michael Douglas. Yeah, good film. Number nine, Flowers in the Attic. This was a film I'd never heard of. I thought I'll have a look at the IMDb, IMDb rating. Didn't score very highly. But surprisingly, there was another film there and they'd remade it and it still didn't score very highly. But it sounds a bit weird. It's about... Um, I've read the book. Have you? Mm. Okay, so you know what it's about. Tell us what it's about. Uh, it's about incestuous relationships and... Weird families. Oh, that sounds a bit more interesting than film. This film that might be a different one. Maybe it's a different one. I thought I just assumed it was the same. Same. It thing. is a family thing, yeah. But it's it said the synopsis for the film was that the um, the mother is widowed, and she goes and takes the kids to stay. I think it's at her mum's. Right. So basically, the mother is widowed from her brother. Right. You didn't say that in the. And in she the movie. has two sets of twins. Oh, right, it's dead. yeah, they've not so, kind of done that in the film. And then it... And she parks yeah. them in some attic room that's at they the top of the house. They shut them up in the attic because yeah. she's been... She Basically, her father, obviously, he knows that it was incestuous, so he won't have anything to do with the kids. Oh, OK. And then they poison the kids yeah. by giving them um, arsenic, I think, I don't know. Yeah. And But then they escape but then it all kicks off again because it's Virginia Andrews who is well known for flogging a good storyline to death. <laughs> There's about four more books. Crikey. And two films. <laughs> but yeah, it sounds a bit... I don't know. Not some... Murky. It's not yeah, your sort of thing, is it? <laughs> not something that you'd want to really watch. No, I don't, I'm not really a horror fan. Uh, it's not really horror. Psychological. Maybe. Psychological drama horror thing. Uh, yeah. Anyway, no, I won't be watching that. Number eight, Three Men and a Baby. I do remember watching that and it making me laugh quite a lot. But I'm not sure it would now because it was a lot of kind of, yeah, pass me this baby. Oh, it's weed on me kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which I suppose when you're 16 is quite funny. But um, Can I remember who starred in it? I remember it was Ted Danson. Steve Guttenberg. I can't remember who the third one was. Billy Crystal, maybe? Don't know. Guess what? I ain't seen that either. <laughs> no surprise there. Uh, number seven was a, a, a film starring Shelley Long called Hello Again. Uh, yeah, I've not seen that one. 
six I've seen overboard with Goldie Horn and Kurt Russell. I quite enjoyed that. Um, it's kind of a comedy drama caper type thing. Five is a horror film, so I haven't seen that. Friday the 13th, part 724. Oh no, sorry, part seven. How have they got to part seven in 1988? <laughs> uh, number four, a handful of dust. I'm guessing that's some sort of western, but I don't know. Not seen that. Number three, Throw Mama from the Train, which was a Danny DeVito film, which I have seen. Again, another kind of comedy drama thing. Thought that was all right. Number two, Deadly Pursuit. Uh, Kirsty Alley, who played uh, Rebecca in Cheers. But I can't remember the film. I did quite like Kirsty Alley. And Sydney, what's his name? Sydney Portier? Some sort of FBI caper, that Poitier. one. Poitier, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I read the synopsis and thought, nah. Uh, and then number one film in July, the beginning of July 1988, is Crocodile Dundee 2, um, which is the one where he takes her back to Australia, I think, but takes her into the city. Have you seen it, any of them? I don't think I've seen Number two. Yeah. A handful of dust is actually from the Evening War novel. All right. Uh, so not a Western novel. Which is about selfishness. Okay. There you go. Yeah, I liked uh, I like the Crocodile Dundee, Dundee Dundee films. So I haven't seen any of those films at all. Well, we can watch one tonight if you want. Mm, I. Desperately feeling the need to go to bed early now. <laughs> yeah, they got married in uh, 1990. The two stars, uh, Linda Kowalowski and Paul Hogan. Uh, and I think they're still married. live in California. They've got one son, a guy called Chance. But what I didn't know was that there was a third Crocodile Dundee film as late as 2001, which I say as late as 20 years ago now, but called Crocodile Dundee in LA. I didn't know that film existed. So that was the thing that I did learn. And then finally, on to the telly. Um, so 4th of July, when Kylie was released, is a Saturday. So I just picked out highlights. I've not gone through the whole lot. BBC One, 8.25. What a great start to the day. Rhubarb. <laughs> 8.30, The Family Ness. No? You don't remember that? A cartoon? You must, know, must remember The Family Ness. No. I bet if you looked up it on YouTube and watched the kind of opening credits, you'd remember it. I still wouldn't remember <laughs> I could be wrong. I remember that. Um, Grandstand was on in the day, sport day. No. No, I, I have not. I don't know. Really? Okay. Right. I mean, I was 16. Why would I be watching stuff like that? I was in bed, asleep, basically, when that stuff was on. Yeah, I think it was like... Probably on five years earlier, that's a repeat. Great cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 25 past five, The Magnificent Seven Rides, so they put a film on straight after Grandstand. Then you've got Bob Say's Opportunity Knox, it was the final of that. Uh, my granddad appeared in a much earlier version on the radio of that. Uh, 2015. 2015, quarter past eight in English. 
the Les Dennis laughter show. And then at quarter to ten, they finished off the kind of main bit of TV with a film called Hanky Panky, which is a, a Gene Wilder film, and it rates 5.6 on IMDb, so I ain't going to be watching that. I remember I watched a lot of foreign language films that summer. Did you now? They were showing all lots of very weird foreign language films in the middle of the night, so I used to record them. I didn't bother going past my parents were away Uh, for a lot of that time. Right. And I was working, so I would record these films, these random, slightly dodgy European films. I was gonna say lots of sex and nudity (laughs) and all different stuff. I could see the appeal of that, yeah. And watch those. But it isn't I I did So I probably wasn't watching Les Dennis, that's all I'm saying. (laughs) Fair enough. I don't think I watched him either. I don't mind him actually, but I didn't really watch his laughter show. Hanky Panky. I watched. I, I I read the synopsis of that, and it was something about some guy getting into a a taxi at the same time as some woman, and he got involved in something he shouldn't have got involved in. So again, some sort of comedy drama caper. But there we go. Uh, BBC Two were just a load of rubbish. So I did BBC One the day before just to have a look. Um, so the third of July. Uh, what was on mainstream TV and when Neighbours was on. So, as I mentioned earlier, half past one and at 17.35, 5.35. And it give you a little thing about what was going on at the time. It said, Kelly sets her sights on Shane. You didn't watch it, did you? I was hoping to kind of pick your brain on these characters because I can't remember them characters. Well, Shane was um, Craig McLaughlin, wasn't he? How can you remember this if you never watched it? I didn't never watch it. Uh, I I watched it, then I got a job, and then I didn't watch it anymore. But like I said, it was on, and people talked about it. I thought... I thought. You're probably right. Yeah, could be. You could be sure, (laughs) yeah. Clive? I can't remember Clive. Blames Paul. I remember Paul, because he was... uh, Stefan Dennis. No, no. Oh, I remember him. He's the one with a mullet. Peter O'Brien is Shane. There you go. I think even he had a pop thing. Look he, him up. Um, all right. <laughs> God. <laughs> they were all like, they should have just done a like a theme from Neighbours musical type thing. Uh, what else have we got? Clive blames Paul for everything that's happened to so far. What, in the whole of Neighbours? <laughs> and Des returns from Hobart with a secret. And I think Des was the guy with the big ears, wasn't he? that went on to marry the other blonde girl. Oh, God, my memory's fading. Anyway, or maybe he was already married to her. Uh, seven o'clock at night, Wogan. So, talk show territory, won it? Friday night, BBC One. Quarter past eight, Dynasty, more soap. And then at 21.30, Rockcliffe's Babies, which, did you watch that? Can you remember that? I think it was some sort of police thing. I think it was like about a load of youngsters that are joint police force. Youngsters? <laughs> yeah. Well, babies. Babies. <laughs> Cadets, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah. Doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't appear to have had a pop career. Oh, does he not? Like, M- maybe he should have done. <laughs> yeah, so there were a few, though, weren't there? Stefan Def- Dennis definitely did, didn't he? Yes. I can't remember what song. Anyway, maybe we should move away from pop stars with pop careers. 
and look forward to our... You mean soap stars. Soap stars, sorry, yeah. And uh, look forward to our Bona Fide. Real star. Real star. Who we're very grateful has agreed to come on. I don't know what he's letting himself in for. I don't know if he's listened to us. And we'll get to find out how Kylie has previously stood in for him. I think he was just uh, being opportunist. Yeah, I put a tweet out this morning saying that uh, Kylie was standing in for him and he said it's not the first time that Kylie stood in for him. So we'll find out whether that's true or whether he was just having a bit of a joke with us. Uh, when we speak to him on Thursday, very much looking forward to that. How did I do, Bob? Pretty well. I'm not, I'm not really going to No. Either. Reckon less than a dozen? I'll be pleased. I'm going to listen back there and was, see where There were no they... big pauses where he kind of stopped, took a big breath, and then went, So! <laughs> Which is your favourite method of delivery normally. It is. So. Yeah. Um, you just said it. You might even beat me on this episode. Mm. Guess you'll just have to listen and tell, won't you? I might just do that. I might just do that. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, I was hoping to have a rather fabulous random single of the week for you because something came to me last night. Originally, we were going to record this episode last night, but there was too much background noise that we couldn't get rid of. We think it might have been electrical interference from neighbours or something weird happening in the area. So we're now recording this on a Sunday afternoon, which has been a bit odd. Um, But... This really strong melody that came to me in the song, I wasn't sure what it was called. I wasn't sure who it was by. I forgot to look it up, and now I can't remember it's gone. And the great crowning end to that very long anecdote is that you don't know it now. No, I've had a sleep since then. I've watched some football this morning. We watched that 80s programme last night, and it's gone. I'm good. Um, So we're going to have to go with a random single of the week that I had two weeks ago and forgot to mention. Which we're was... not doing well with this feature, I think you should <laughs> drop it. I know you do, but we're not. <laughs> uh, it is The King of Wishful Thinking by Go West, as featured in the film Pretty Woman. Go check out that brilliant video, and we very much look forward to seeing you, uh, you listening to us, <laughs> on the next episode, which will feature the wonderful Andy Strickland of The Caretaker Race and their brilliant 1990 album, Hangover Square, which, Kate, have you heard it ever before? I don't know, to be honest. I haven't listened to it yet. And I don't know if you've ever played it to me. So, I'm not sure. There you go. So you actually do have some homework this week before we speak to Andy. That was a really big eye roll. It doesn't come across well. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a podcast. It doesn't. You can find us on Twitter at memorabilia underscore pod one you can find us on facebook at memorabilia podcast or you can email us at memorabilia podcast at gmail.com you can find us on all good podcast platforms i was trying to think of the word there and all the links will be in the show notes for today so until the next time thanks again for listening and see you on the next episode (laughs) Bye. Bye.